Aloha. Hey, this is Travis. Just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Here at Shorebreak, we're coming up to four years of ministry this July. Four years ago, a few families came out to Hawaii to plant this church, and by God's grace, we've seen transformation, church growth, people being baptized, and that's because of the partnership of the local church and those of you who have financially partnered with us. If you would feel led to support financially the work of the gospel of God being spread here in Kona and beyond, in addition to your tithe to your local church, you can go and give online at shorebreakchurch.com. But we just want you to continue to pray for us, continue to pray that the gospel would be spread and that people would come to know Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Continue to share it with other people. Grace and peace be with you. Amen. Hey, why don't you turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. How you guys doing? You guys doing all right? Hey, it's good to be with you on this Lord's Day, this Sunday. Um, If you don't know me, my name's Travis. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and we're humbled that you would take your Sunday to be with us. Um, If you're new, if you're not a Christian, if you don't really know what's even happening right now, and you don't even feel comfortable in your own skin, um, this is a safe place. We're, We're thankful to have you with us. Even if you're doubting or you struggle with Jesus or you're new in your journey of faith and your relationship with God, wherever you're at, you're welcome here. We're thankful to have you here. And um, the reason why we have you turn in your Bibles is so that you would not hear my opinions or uh, that we would come here to have your opinions, but that we would hear what God has spoken to us because God has spoken to us in his word and that in hearing these words, we would grow, we would know more about the God who created us, know more about ourselves and light of this God, and even have a greater understanding of the world and his plan for your life and mine. And so, um, again, thankful to have you here. Uh, Last week, we want to briefly make an apology. We told you that um, oftentimes being in community or signing up for a community group can be like dating, where it's like first date can be super awkward, right? You know, like, oh, what do we talk about? And this is weird. And um, we didn't intend that to be the way group signups would be last week, which is how it was. It was really confusing. It wasn't even like a regular date. It was like a terrible blind date. And so we apologize about that. So this week, uh, if you had trouble signing up for groups last week, again, we apologize. we're We're figuring stuff out too. Make sure all you need to do is at the end of this worship gathering, go talk story, hang out at the, uh, the, it's basically like a little connection village. So you go out the doors and in the parking lot, we got a tent with some tables, talk story with leaders, get to know different leaders. And there you can sign up, super easy. Um, again, the reason we push you being in community is, is if you feel somewhat disjointed, if you don't really feel like this is ohana, which by the way it should, but if you're feeling some disconnect, if you don't really really feel known or loved or you, you want to know others and to be able to express gifts and talents and be in the body of Christ, um, this is really one of the main ways we want to push you and encourage you to do that. And so um, yeah, sign up for community. Love you guys. It's good to be with you today. Um, hopefully you've made your way to Mark chapter 6. If you would stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to pick up Mark 6, end of 
verse 6 and on. He went about among the villages teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two. And he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, they will not listen to you. When you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as the testimony against them. And so they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, if there's not love, if this sermon is not preached out of love, if we do not do life with one another, Without love, all we are is a clanging, noisy symbol. God, would you season this sermon? Would you season this church? Would you saturate this place with your sovereign love? And then even though we'll talk about things maybe that that we don't agree with or we don't like, or you're going to challenge us and you're going to chip away all that does not belong to make us more like Jesus, Father God, we ask that love would become clear and that this sermon would be preached in love. So Father, we decrease so that you would increase. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. After being rejected by his own, and if you're from a small hometown, if you grew up in a small town, like you know that feeling of everyone knows you, and, and then you go back, and oftentimes it's really awkward, and, and you, it's like it's no longer home. That's kind of what's happened with Jesus. He's been rejected in his hometown. Big old Nazareth, little ghetto town, 500 people or so. And uh, we know he was rejected there because in chapter 3 of Mark, Jesus' family thought Jesus was out of his mind. And everyone else in Nazareth rejected him because they found Jesus preaching. They found what Jesus shared when he went into the synagogues, the churches effectively then, if you will, to preach the gospel, to preach the message of repentance. And Jesus and his disciples, because of this rejection, they will never be in Nazareth again. They're not going back. And like a band growing in popularity... They're going on tour now. Jesus and his disciples are going to go on tour. They're going to stop at different towns, different villages, and different cities within the region to preach and declare the message of repentance that the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is here. God has manifested himself in the flesh, and this man in the flesh who is God, his name is Jesus. He's here. And so we see at the tail end of the hinge between this rejection and Nazareth and then them going on tour, this statement that Mark makes in verse 6, of which we have read, and he went about among the villages teaching. 
Jesus is teaching from village to village. Now, we, we often don't do this, and, and I don't want to be a church known by this, um, but, but we gotta take the, we got to put the gloves on and, and start swinging here for a moment, if you will. Um, why does Mark highlight that Jesus here is teaching? Isn't he also doing other things in his ministry? It's a question that we have to ask. Jesus is doing many things. Isn't he also casting out demons? Yeah. Isn't he also doing miraculous healings? Yeah. Didn't he just raise a girl from the dead not too long ago? Yeah. Yet in him doing all of these things, that is not what Mark sovereignly, the Spirit of God, causing Mark's hand to write this book, chooses not to highlight. For Jesus, for Mark rather, he is not emphasizing those things. No, yes, he records healings. Yes, he records miracles. Yes, he records these supernatural events that surround the life and the ministry of Jesus, but that is not the emphasis of Scripture. Just because something is described in Scripture, listen to me, does not mean that is normative, nor does it mean that that is what is emphasized. What is being emphasized here? That Jesus is a preacher, that Jesus is teaching. Yes, he heals. Yes, he raises from the dead. Yes, he casts out demons. But Jesus preaches first and foremost. That's what he does. That's what his ministry is all about. The fringe benefits of God coming to earth are healing, miracles, exorcisms, But above all else, Jesus is declaring, and Jesus is declaring the kingdom of God is at hand. In Mark chapter 1, Mark has introduced us to Jesus. And in this epic introduction of Jesus, Mark has invited us in chapter 1 to hear the gospel. Would you hear the good news? And in hearing the gospel, that we would repent and that we would believe in this man, this God-man, Jesus. But the trademark of Jesus' ministry, we know, was preaching the gospel. If you go back to Mark chapter 1, verse, end of verse verse 14. Now John was arrested. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. You see what's happening here, right? Yes, the Bible records healings, but the scriptural emphasis of Jesus' ministry is not healing, is not miracles in and of themselves, but it is the gospel. Now, um, I had a great conversation between services last Sunday, and uh, these people, um, in, in us talking story briefly, which... You know, between services is usually not a very deep or long conversation. But um, they, they told me, hey, we really appreciate the teaching and the preaching, the, the worship and the music, like on par, really love it, really sensing God's spirit here, really um, liking what's happening. But they found it very strange that we do not I- incorporate healing within our worship gathering, like corporate healing 
worship services. And, and so um, we had this conversation, as short as, <laughs> and loving as it had to be. And again, it was a good conversation. I enjoy these conversations. But it, I had to tell, like, it was an issue of emphasis. Yeah, Jesus, they did healings, but what is the emphasis? Not just what is the description, but what is the reason? What is the purpose? What is the emphasis? And they actually said, um, you're halfway there, but to be truly faithful, you need to have healing. And, and then I, I, in checking my heart, all right, Lord, season my, my lips with grace, because often I am quick-witted with my mouth, and I can be a jerk and say mean things and not even realize it. But in our short conversation, I brought up this very thing of emphasis, and I told them, listen, we believe Jesus heals, but what this looks like in the local church should follow what Jesus' brother said in James chapter, or James chapter 5, where he says, if anyone among you is sick, let, let them come to the elders, and they can pray for healing and anoint them with oil. But it's not to be this show, this circus, where it's like, hey, we're going we're gonna to take this time right now. It's not us coming to you, it's you coming to us and to pray for healing. Listen, we believe Jesus heals, but we believe the greatest healing that anyone can experience is in the power of the preached, declared gospel. So I'm not, again, you know, the gospel is offensive. And I'm not trying to be any more offensive than the gospel is trying to be offensive. In fact, that's partly why we have this, these verses here. But, but just so you know, like Jesus went from village and what did he do? What is Mark highlight? He's teaching. He is teaching. He is preaching. He is declaring truth. And the disciples, they've witnessed some amazing miracles, impactful preaching, life transformation. And now, after watching all these things, Jesus is like, your turn. I don't know about you. I'd be like, seriously? Uh, I'm not ready yet. Okay, really? But he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm handing the keys over to you. It's your turn. Go, go take it for a spin. And that's interesting because he told them when he called them to be his disciples, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And now they're going to begin learning what that looks like to be a fisher of men. It's their turn. Verse 7 of Mark 6. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two it's for the sake of having a, a legitimate witness according to the, the Old Testament. And he gave them authority over unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money, and their belts, but to wear sandals and to not put on two tunics. The main reason... Jesus calls these 12 ordinary, um, even controversial, some of them men to be his disciples, is he brings them in, as he calls them to be witnesses of his truth, of his nature and character, of his ministry. And to take what they have learned, to take what they have gained in understanding and, and wisdom and insight, and to teach people about Jesus. In fact, that's what they do. If you look, go down to verse 12. So they went out. Jesus calls them and they go out. The result of Jesus calling is us going out. The result of Jesus bringing us in is the sending of us out. And because he does that, they went out and they proclaimed that people should repent. Again, what is their ministry about? 
preaching repentance. Yes, they did healing. In fact, that's verse 13. But again, the emphasis is preaching. Like the disciples, just like the disciples, the cadence of the way God works in our lives as Lord and Savior is very similar to what we see in even the own calling of these 12. Jesus calls us as his own. We did not go after him, but he goes and seeks and pursues us. He calls us as his own. We follow him and we become children of God. We are adopted by God and we have God as a new father. And because we are adopted in the kingdom of God, we are all of a sudden given a new citizenship. And because we've been given a new citizenship and because we've been given a new heart and our mind has been changed and our identity is now in Christ and not on ourselves, we have a new purpose to live for. The reason you live now and the reason I live in light of becoming a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, is I once followed my own way and my own desires and the own pursuits I have for my life. Now that I'm a disciple, I follow Jesus. He told me, Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And now he's making them fishers of men. See, before we were Christians, we were the center of our world. Life evolved all around us. But because of the grace of God, now as Christians, we are not the center of our world anymore. Our life evolves around what Jesus Christ has done for us, what Jesus has accomplished for you, for me, on the cross. And because of this, we tell others of this great news. You see, after spending personal, unique, intentional time with Jesus, Jesus is telling them to go. So hear me out. There is no better time spent than time spent with Jesus. The time that you take to be and to commune with the God of the universe is not time spent in vain. Think of all the things you spend your time on. No greater time can be spent by abiding in Christ by being in the scriptures, praying to him, being steadfast in prayer, being in the word. May he be the desires of our hearts. And as you abide in Christ, and as he draws you in, he will send you out. See, oftentimes we we go and we commune with God for ourselves, not even realizing that the purpose of, of our communion with God is for our being sent by God. Like, even our time spent with Jesus isn't only for us. Isn't that amazing? It's always for the advancement of the kingdom. Jesus takes months to be with them. He takes months to train them, to love them, to pour into them, to disciple them, to lead them, to show them the ways of the kingdom. And now, He didn't say, all right, so just enjoy it for yourselves. He said, no, 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 share this with others. Get get out there, go. See, Jesus' mission was to multiply. And it's Jesus' disciples' mission to multiply. 
So I want to draw your attention to the statement in verse 7. He called the twelve, and he began to send them out two by two. He gave them authority. So the reason they're, they're commissioned to go on mission is because they've received the call from God, and in receiving the call from God, God sends them out to live a life that is on mission. In fact, the same language is seen where Jesus, before he resurrects into heaven, before he resurrects, I'm sorry, he, after the resurrection, before he ascends into heaven, before he sends out disip, the disciples, he, he goes along with this theme of authority. And in Matthew 28, 18, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Whenever Jesus gives authority, Jesus gives authority for the sake of multiplication. We should be on mission. And Jesus gives authority, listen to me, because Jesus is the authority. He's able to give authority because he is the source of authority. He is the sovereign Lord. Jesus is, is God. They didn't have the disciples' authority in and of themselves. They were not like, all right, I got my own authority. Watch this. I'm going to cast out this demon. Watch this awesome sermon. I'm going to preach on my own authority. No, they didn't have that power. Their authority was not of their own authority. This authority Jesus gives them is an extension of his own authority. It was given to them by Jesus. They were not autonomous. So, you know, when, when, when I'm spending time with, with my kids um, or working on a project or whatever, I'm talking to one of my kids and I need to get, you know, one of the other kids from the other side of the house. Oftentimes I, I will be, I mean, you do it too, parents. If you're a parent, you know, or even if you're a kid, you've experienced this. Hey, can you go get your brother, right? And so I'm, I'm lazy, so parent talk, which means just go get your brother. And so I say, hey, hey, would you go get your brother? And so what I'm doing there is I'm um, telling him, go get your brother. Daddy wants to talk to him. And so I, I'm giving him authority to, to go and to do something. And this may or may not have happened in our household, but one of the times I asked my kids, hey, go get your brother. I kind of quieted down what I was doing, leaned my ear in, and I heard one of my kids say, hey, dad told you to give me some of your money. I was like, what? Like, are you kidding me? Like, is that operating in the extension of my authority? No, what, what is it? It's an abuse of the authority that I gave him. Now, most of the time, it only happened once, and I called him out on it. I was like, come on, what are you doing, boy? Share that commission with dad. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't. Usually they say, and they go, and my kids know when they hear from their other brothers, daddy needs to talk to you, that there is a weight and there is an authority that comes with what is being said. And in the same way, the disciples, they did not have absolute authority in and of themselves. They are not autonomous in their authority. And this authority that was given to them was not to be abused. In fact, we even read, if you're rejected, then, then just dust off your slippers, move on to the next town. Don't be obnoxious. 
Don't abuse this authority because your authority, Jesus' authority, should be reflective of Jesus' character. The authority Jesus gives you and me should be reflective of the nature and the character of the God we worship. So our authority as employers, your authority as a boss, your authority as a leader, your authority as a community group leader, your authority as a parent, your authority as a friend, your authority as a landlord, your authority within your own ohana should be richly flavored with the the character of Jesus. And this authority should not be abused. And what this what should this authority to be used for? Healing? Yeah, that, that it's a fringe benefit. Casting out demons? F- fringe benefit. For what though? Making disciples. Being on mission. Go. They're an extension of Jesus' mission. So the disciples, they're preaching as the gospel as Jesus did. They're declaring the message of repentance as Jesus did. We have no new message. The script, the message, the sermons have already been given to us. In the Bible, they were effectively, you could say, ambassadors for Jesus. They're ambassadors. And Paul elaborates, the Bible elaborates on this idea of the type of ministry we have all been given, kind of playing on with this concept of ambassadors, where Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, but entrusting to us, entrusting to us, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, because of all these things, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So so can I just pause for a moment and be pastoral and evangelistic? If you have not been reconciled to God this morning, we implore you, we ask you to see what God has made possible through his son Jesus, that you would believe on the work of Jesus, that you would confess your sin, that you would believe, and you would be reconciled to God in light of what he has made possible. So again, seeing the cadence of how God works, God reconciles us, he saves us, he reconciles us so that we would see others reconciled through us. God makes his appeal through your lips. We we all have been given the same ministry, every single one of us. By the way, you're a missionary. If you're in here and you're a Christian, you're a missionary. And the mission that God has given you, the mission, the ministry God has given to you is the ministry of reconciliation. 
We've been brought into the fold to see more come into the fold of God. Brought in by Jesus to be sent by Jesus, to declare the glories of Jesus. Do you see what's happening? We've been brought in to be sent out. We've been redeemed so we would see others redeemed. We are reconciled for reconciliation. And when we are in the presence of Jesus, we are given authority from Jesus to go. So go. To be an ambassador, to be given authority means we join in Jesus' mission. And guys, hear me. It's not my mission. It's not your mission. It's his mission. Jesus' mission is our mission. So whatever your mission is, you got dreams, you got visions, you have a mission for your life, great. All of those things are subnotes in light of the heading of the book, Make Disciples. And on this mission, Jesus gives them authority, but I want you to notice something else. He takes resources from them. So he gives authority and then he takes resources from them. In verse 8 he says, take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts. That would be me. All right, I won't take anything shoving the money in my belts, right? Like gonna hide it somewhere and that like, now that's just where they stored, but but I, I, I would have been creative here and tried to, you know, be disobedient. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, they will not listen to you. When you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. If Jesus is the one who is sending, then you have everything you need in him. Jesus is commissioning them. Jesus is sending them. And he's telling them, that his authority, he is indirectly telling him that, that authority from him supersedes anything else we can turn to or trust in. I'm sending you, and I'm giving something to you, and because I'm giving something to you, in this moment, I'm going to take extra provision from you. So what you're wearing is what you're taking with you. That stick in your hand, and what is on your body right now, that's it. No credit card, no umekes for takeout. Can't take any of that. You, you go on, you go. No extra clothes because Jesus' way of doing things and doing ministry is different than our way. Do you see that when we are with Jesus, we don't have to worry about what we will eat, about what we will wear, All we have to do is look at the grass on the hill and see that God faithfully waters the grass of the hill. He can look at the flowers and they are more dressed than Solomon and all of his glory. And if God so cares about the sparrow and the flowers, how much more will he care for you, do we read in Matthew 6? When you were brought in, Seek Jesus. And when you are sent out, seek 
Jesus. Don't worry about all these other things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. The Sermon of the Mount is becoming alive for these disciples. So, so what is Jesus telling them here, simply? He's just saying, God, trust me. Trust me. In saving, in sending, trust me. In your conversion and in your commissioning, trust me. If I am sending you, I will provide for you. Now, this is just a principle of trust that later Jesus will tell them as they go on another mission trip to actually bring provision with them. In fact, bring a sword with you. So this is not, maybe God might, might, have, might call some to do this. God might call others to do this. We just don't want to, just don't want to broadly say, all right, well, there it is. So I'm just going to go create, well, there's some wisdom as well. And this is just a descriptive text. It's not prescribing a way that we should go. I mean, this is important to know. I mean, da- David danced in the streets naked when he was praising God. That shouldn't be normative. Amen? just shouldn't be normative. So is that a prescription of how we should worship God? No, let's keep our clothes on, right? That would be helpful. So again, let's not make something that is uh, abnormal um, normative, nor should we take something that is descriptive in the scriptures and make it prescriptive. I wish we could go to that more. We don't have time. Uh, Why else does Jesus tell them this? Why else does Jesus tell them to bring nothing with you? Don't even bring food. Don't bring anything with you except what is on you. Aside trust, why else? Notice what he says here in these verses. Whenever you enter a house, stay there. He doesn't want his disciples to be, to minister from the fringes of the city. He doesn't want them on the fringes of culture. Jesus wants his followers in the city, in the community, to do life with other people, so much so he wants them in their homes. Because effective gospel ministry is when the gospel is declared with word and deed, but when the gospel is also demonstrated in community with unbelievers. And we're going to unpack this more Um, in the weeks to come. I'm not going to really elaborate on that, but they preached, they healed, they cast out demons, they served the people. That's what you see in verse 13. They did life with other people in community. And I've just been wondering, I was like, man, when was the last time I had an unbeliever over at my house? When was the last time I went over to someone's house and I didn't even know all their names and, and it kind of felt uncomfortable. I'm not even sure if they're Christians. If all we do in, in, in living life is only in Christian circles, that, that's incestuous. I'm sorry, but that's, 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 that's kind of gross. But if you're a Christian and all that you have in your circle is non-believers, then you need to connect with the body of Christ because that is also unhelpful and you're in a dangerous place. There needs to be a balance where we have life to do with, 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 with other Christians, but 
At the same time, we are hospitable and we enjoy the hospitality of even non-believers. Effective gospel ministry is when the gospel is done dwelling with other people. Now, just because they're doing awesome things doesn't mean they will be received. Like Jesus in Nazareth, rejection is a reality. And if, verse 11, any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, shove it down their throats, right? No, actually. <laughs> when you leave, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony. It is with meekness and love we announce Jesus. It is with kindness we share Jesus with other people. And if they don't want to hear you, guess what? Okay, they don't want to hear you. Move on. Take off those slippers, dust off the sand. Next. Because we are ambassadors. And they're not rejecting you. They're not even rejecting me. They're actually rejecting Jesus. Matthew chapter 5. You can go there if you want. I'm just going to read this to you in closing. Jesus says this in light of rejection. Because th this theme of rejection is going to play on. If you, if you want a spoiler alert for next week, just read next week's sermon text, right? Verses 14 to verse 29. This theme of rejection. But Jesus says in Matthew 5, 11, Blessed are you when others revile you or persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for great is your reward in heaven. Brought in to be sent out. Personal, intimate, loving. Converted to be commissioned in community, showing and living and preaching the gospel in our community. You know what I love? What Jesus says when he tells his disciples in Matthew 28, Go. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Father God, we thank you that you send us, that you call us and you commission us. May we, by the power of your spirit, not by the motivation of words, but by the realities of the gospel, may you cause in us an angst to see more people in our community meet Jesus. May we be a missional-minded church. May we be a church in the community, not on the fringes of relationships with others, but knowing others, even non-believers, and being known. Father God, if there are those in here this morning 
who have not been reconciled to you. Jesus, do your work of, men, of reconciliation. If you've heard my words during this sermon, I implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Believe in Jesus. Lord, may you graciously forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our complacency. Help us to love you. Jesus, may your mission be our mission. Amen. Amen.